Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes. To keep in touch with us, use our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, which are all at Q and Review. That's C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W. Or get in touch via information at qandreview.com. That's information at c-u-e-a-n-d-r-e-v-i-e-w.com. Please like and share our podcast and give us any constructive feedback. Evening Time Sport, October 25. Cogu reveals Greg Taylor may be out until 2022. Report by Aidan Smith Ange Postecoglou has revealed that Greg Taylor could be missing until the turn of the year due to an operation on his shoulder. The Scotland international has been missing since last month's 3-0 win over Ross County where he sustained the injury. Speaking after Celtic's win over St Johnston, Postecoglou said Greg's had an operation on his shoulder. It's about four weeks since he started rehab, so he's still a good couple of months away. It's a contact thing where we have to be careful. Meanwhile, Giorgios Giacomakis turned his sights on Hibs after getting his Celtic career up and running with his first goal in Saturday's 2-0 home win against St Johnston. It was a first start for the Greece striker since signing from Dutch side VVV Venlo in August for a reported fee of £2.5 million and he came up against a stuffy Saints side. In the 35th minute and with Celtic huffing and puffing against the Perth side, Giacomakis was on hand to convert an Anthony Ralston cross before a late penalty from fullback Josip Juranovic sealed three well-deserved cinch premiership points. It was a fourth successive win for Angie Postecoglou's side, who now get ready to face Hibs at Easter Road on Wednesday night, with Giacomakis acknowledging that there is a long way to go in the league campaign. He told Celtic TV, We are focused on every game, in a different way. We have to prepare again. We have to be happy and then we have to think about the next game. It is a marathon and we have to keep going. St Johnson was a tough team to play against, a team focused on the defence and played with three central defenders. So it was more difficult than usual, but finally we scored. It was something that I was looking forward to scoring at this stadium in front of these people. It was amazing. It was exactly as I imagined it, so I am really happy. Report by Aidan Smith Evening Time Sport, October 25 Partick Thistle to be fan-owned by June 2022 Report by James Kearney Patrick Thistle will become a fan-owned club next summer after a timetable for the transfer of shares from Three Black Cats, 
3 BC to the Jags Foundation was agreed. The shares and land currently owned by 3 BC, the company the late Euro Millions winner Colin Weir used to purchase a majority stake in the club back in November 2019, will transfer over to the fans group in June 2022. As part of the transition, there will be a period of knowledge sharing where a member of TJF will be appointed to the club board to gain an insight into the day-to-day running of the club. A further TJF director will be appointed to the club board once the share transfer is finalised, with both appointments subject to approval from the club board. Gavin Taylor, chairman of TJF, said, The key question all Jags fans have been asking TJF is, when are the shares going to be transferred? Despite all the difficulties caused by the pandemic, I am pleased what we now have a definitive answer. The timescale gives us an opportunity to work with the Patek Thistle FC board in order to ensure a smooth handover and more importantly gives us the springboard we need to engage directly with the fans and to properly build up the membership base. Patek Thistle chairman Jackie Lowe added, The club welcomes this simple set of proposals which we hope can form the basis of a strong working relationship for the future between the Thistle board and TJF. Having a new majority shareholder should not destabilise any aspect of the club or affect the football side of Thistle. Instead, it should bring the fans and their voices to the heart of the club. But all parties, TJF, 3BC and the club board, need to put work in to ensure that this happens effectively and without disruption to the proposed timetable. In relation to the date for the transfer, there were tax implications associated with that that would have impacted the club and the Jags Foundation, if not mitigated by waiting for a fixed period before actioning Colin Weir's wishes. However, even by doing this, there are still likely to be tax liabilities arising from the change in share ownership and I am pleased that 3BC is budgeting to cover those costs. This will allow the Jags Foundation and the club to move into the era of fan ownership at no cost to either party. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport, October 25 SFA investigating inappropriate Rangers tweets from St Mirren chairman Report by David Irvin. The SFA are reportedly investigating inappropriate tweets about Rangers posted by St Mirren Chairman John Needham. STV News report that a number of social media posts from Mr Needham are being probed after being unearthed ahead of St Mirren's 2-1 loss to Rangers. The club chairman allegedly used the term Huns and Sevco when referencing Rangers. 
Another post referencing Rangers supporters packed on the Squinty Bridge in Glasgow allegedly read, Here's hoping the Squinty Bridge tips as well. Second thoughts, the pollution would be awful. It's thought the alleged comments will be probed by the compliance officer with possible disciplinary action if there is sufficient evidence. Mr Needham yesterday apologised unreservedly for the alleged posts as he branded them completely inappropriate. Posting on Twitter, he wrote, On Friday 22 October, a number of tweets I created in the past referring to Rangers fans were highlighted on Twitter. As a club chairman, I have extra responsibility for the conduct and the example I show. These posts are completely inappropriate and do not reflect my character or beliefs as a person, and I very much regret them. I apologise unreservedly to the directors and fans of Rangers and to everyone at St Mirren. I am acutely aware of my responsibilities. This won't happen again. Mr Needham could face disciplinary proceedings over the alleged comments under SFA Rule 77. A recognised football body, club, official, team official, other member of team staff, player, match official or other person under the jurisdiction of a Scottish FA shall at all times act in the best interests of association football. Report by David Irvin. Evening Time Sport, October 26. Ali McCoist pays emotional tribute to old friend Walter Smith. Ali McCoist has paid an emotional tribute to Walter Smith, the Rangers legend, who sadly died at the age of 73. In a statement this morning, the Ibrox Club announced the news of their former manager's passing. One man who was closer to the Scottish football legend more than most was McCoist, who played and coached under Smith. He would later take over the reins at Ibrox from Smith, when he retired from football management in 2011. Speaking emotionally on TalkSport with Jim White, McCoy said, He was everything to a lot of folk, myself included. He was my boss, my coach, my second father, and he turned into my best friend. This loss is absolutely incredible. However, the good thing is, he's not in pain. I spoke to Walter on Saturday and was going to see him on Sunday. Clearly, he was too unwell, though. We knew that, sadly, there was an inevitability about this illness, and we did know it would only be a matter of time. It still does not take away the pain or the grief. All I can think about is his wife, kids and grandkids. All Walter would have wanted was another few years to go and watch those grandkids play football and spend a lot of time with them all. That's the most painful thing for me right now. I think I can safely say he was the best husband, the best father, the best friend, everything you'd expect in a man. It's a tragic day and I can't tell you how devastated I am.
He was the best by some considerable distance. I was 17 when I first played under him. I can still remember locking him out on the balcony in Monte Carlo and him giving me that look. When you say old school, because times have changed and moved on, the one thing about Walter was he was 100% honest and fair. If he said something to you, he was saying it for a reason. He was the most genuine man I've ever met. He had a wicked sense of humour. He was just brilliant to be around. He was loved by everyone, including across the divide. Make no mistake about it. We love football rivalry, but my phone is incredible right now with Celtic fans. He, along with Bill Struth, will go down as the best ever Rangers managers. It's taking a while to sink in. I knew it was coming. He was a sore loser, but he respected that losing was part of the game. He did it with so much dignity and class. When he got the Scotland job, he appointed me and the late great Tommy Burns as his assistants. It was a brilliant move because Tam, the biggest Celtic man you'll ever meet in your life, it captured the imagination of the country. Quality. He knew what was required and when it was required. A pat on the back, a little G up, a cuddle. He was a proper human being. There's been a lot of respect rightly shown towards Walter during his illness. A lot of people were aware that he was very unwell. Thankfully, deservedly and correctly, he was given that privacy during this illness. The history books will tell us how good he was as a manager and coach. We appreciate and love him for that. But what a friend, pal, boss, husband, dad, grandfather. That's a message we should all be thinking about. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, October 26 Davy Weir points to Rangers and Celtic distraction as he tips hearts for title tilt. Report by James Kearney Former Rangers defender Davy Weir believes hearts have what it takes to mount a serious challenge for the Premiership title this term because Celtic and Rangers could find themselves distracted by European football. Weir spent three seasons at Tynecastle between 1996 and 99 and also enjoyed a successful five-year stint in Govan, playing under Ibrook's legend Walter Smith towards the end of his career. Robbie Nielsen's side are the Premiership's only unbeaten team after 10 games this season and trail the champions by three points but have defeated Celtic and snatched a draw against Rangers. Weir reckons that so long as the Jambos can keep pace with the league leaders until the transfer window reopens in January, they have a chance of winning a top flight title for the first time since 1960. The former Everton defender thinks that the Capital Club can take advantage as both halves of the old firm split their focus between the domestic game and European football. 
When asked by Football Pass if he thought Hearts are capable of mounting a legitimate title challenge this season, we replied, yes, they definitely are. It's very early in the season and neither Rangers or Celtic are firing on all cylinders, so there's definitely an opportunity there. I think the European games are a little bit of a distraction for both Rangers and Celtic. Dundee United have started well, Hibs have started well, so the league is competitive. I think this league is a strong league and there are real grounds for teams to make a serious challenge and have an effect on the top level of the league and Hearts are capable of that. If they can stay in and about it until January, then improve and push again. They can definitely make an impression and challenge at that end. Having played for Hearts and Rangers, Weir knows exactly what it takes to get a title bid over the line and how difficult it is for a team outside of Glasgow's big two to go all the way. He added, Hearts have to keep the consistency up, which is obviously the hardest thing. I've been in it with Hearts, when we were getting down to the last five or six games with Rangers or Celtic, and on that occasion, and occasions before, Rangers and Celtic's resources have just proved to be that bit stronger. In our case we got a couple of injuries, and probably didn't quite have the capacity in the squad to deal with that, whereas Rangers and Celtic do. Rangers have real depth in their squad, I think that's obvious to see, and I think Celtic are building that as well, whereas Hearts probably don't quite have that yet. Report by James Kearney Evening Time Sport, October 26 Former Celtic midfielder Joe Ledley tips Neil Lennon for Cardiff job. Report by James Kearney Former Celtic midfielder Joe Ledley reckons his old manager Neil Lennon is interested in taking the reins at Cardiff City after the English Championship club parted ways with Mick McCarthy at the weekend. Ledley, who moved from the Welsh club to Parkhead in 2010 and spent four years in Glasgow working under Lennon, feels the Northern Irishman could be just the man to turn things around at the Cardiff City Stadium. McCarthy was sacked within hours of Cardiff's home defeat to Middlesbrough on Saturday, the Bluebirds' eighth consecutive loss, with under-23's boss Steve Morrison placed in charge in the interim. Former Sheffield United manager Chris Wilder is the bookies' favourite to land the role, but Ledley feels that Lennon ticks all the right boxes for the job, as does former Cardiff centre-back Mark Hudson. He told the Scottish Sun, The person who comes in has to realise there will be no money and it will be a difficult task to turn it around. A lot of players are leaving at the end of the season as they are out of contract. It's down to Cardiff to appoint the right person. I worked with Neil Lennon at Celtic and he would definitely be interested. And Mark Hudson is an up-and-coming manager, I know him very well, and he is hungry to get into the game.
He may have to wait his time, but it would be perfect for him. Report by James Kearney Evening Time Sport, October 26 Scots politicians pay tribute to true football great Walter Smith. Report by Ruth Souter Tributes have been pouring in from across Scottish politics following the death of Walter Smith at the age of 73. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon described the Titan as a true football great as she offered her condolences to Smith's family. She said, very sad to hear of the death of former Rangers and Scotland manager Walter Smith. He was a true football great. My condolences to his family, friends and colleagues across the world of football. Central Scotland MSP Monica Lennon added, very sorry to hear that Walter Smith has died. My condolences to Walter's family and friends. Glasgow Tory councillor Ewan Bockley describes Smith as a Rangers legend. In his tribute he said, Rest in peace Walter Smith, forever a Rangers legend. Glasgow MSP Annie Wells added, A sad day, having had incredible success throughout his career, Walter Smith is truly a legend of the Scottish game. He was a thoroughly decent man. My thoughts are with his friends and family at this difficult time. Ian Blackford, SNP's Westminster group leader said, So sad to read this news. Someone that achieved so much in football and was so much a part of Scotland's football story. Thoughts and prayers with his family and friends. Rest in peace, Walter. Others have described the football legend as a proper gent in heartfelt tributes. Ruth Davidson said, really sad news, whatever your team, Walter Smith was undoubtedly a giant of Scottish football and a proper gent. BBC presenter Jean Johansson said, so sad to hear about the passing of Walter Smith, a gentleman and a legend. If it wasn't for Walter, I would never have met JJ. Such a lovely man and outstanding manager. I'm thinking of his family today. Evening Time Sport, October 26 Rangers legend Walter Smith dies age 73 as club pays tribute. Report by Ewan Payton Rangers legend Walter Smith has sadly died at the age of 73. The Ibrox Club announced the news this morning. Chairman Douglas Park commented, on behalf of the Rangers Board of Directors, staff and players, I convey my deep condolences to the Smith family. Walter leaves behind a wife, children and grandchildren, all of whom are in our thoughts and prayers at this difficult time. It is almost impossible to encapsulate what Walter meant to every one of us at Rangers. He embodied everything that a ranger should be. His character and leadership was second to none and will live long in the memory of everyone he worked with during his two terms as first team manager. I spoke with Walter as recently as last weekend. 
even when he was battling illness, he was still able to provide advice and support. For that, I am personally grateful. I know that he continued also to maintain dialogue with senior members of staff, including our manager Stephen Gerrard. Walter will be sorely missed by all of us at Rangers. Winning 10 top flight titles as manager, 5 Scottish Cups and 6 League Cups, as well as leading his club to the UEFA Cup final in 2008, he will be remembered by the football community across the world. His spells as Scotland manager, as well as managing in the English Premier League, underlined his credentials as one of the great modern-day football managers. However, for Rangers supporters, he was much more than just a football manager. Walter was a friend to many, a leader, an ambassador, and most of all, a legend. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Time Sport, October 27 Brian Loudrop recalls the cab journey with Walter Smith that changed his life. Report by James Kearney Rangers great Brian Loudrop has hailed Walter Smith as more than a manager, as the Dane recalled the cab journey with the Ibrooks legend that changed his life forever. Loudrop was part of the great Rangers team of the 1990s, and spent four seasons working under Smith and Govan, scoring 44 goals in 150 appearances before departing for Chelsea in 1998. Four years earlier, Loudrop was on his way out of Italian side Fiorentina, and he admits that a 40-minute drive to Loch Lomond with Smith convinced him to move to Glasgow, a decision that changed his life forever. Writing in his column for the Daily Mail, Loudrop recalled, During my years in football, I encountered people of immense talent and huge reputation. Walter, though, was of a different breed to them all. He was somehow more than a manager. I think many of those who played under him would agree. In my time at Rangers, we played for the club, we played for the fans, and we played for ourselves. Most of all, though, we played for Walter. I think that sums it up. Like everyone who knew and loved him, I am heartbroken to hear of his passing, but the memories will endure. For me, they begin in 1994, with perhaps the most important car journey of my life. I met Walter at Ibrooks when Rangers wanted to sign me from Fiorentina. We spoke for a little while, then he said, Let's go for a drive. I'll take you to Cameron House and show you Loch Lomond. Over those 40 minutes, we spoke about a lot of things. I told him about life in Italy and how it had been for me and my family. We started to talk about football. Walter said to me, Brian, you will get all the freedom on the park you could wish for. The only thing I want in return is that you have to make the difference. It was a turning point in my career, without question, 
I've mentioned many times before that I had two very difficult years in Italy. I wanted to be somewhere I could really enjoy the game again. Walter made that happen. From 1994 onwards, so much changed in terms of how I felt about football and also the success I achieved. I loved working with him at Rangers and that fed into how I played with Denmark. Report by James Kearney Evening Time Sport, October 27 Darren Fletcher reveals a vital lesson Walter Smith taught Cristiano Ronaldo. Report by James Kearney Former Manchester United and Scotland midfielder Darren Fletcher was well acquainted with Rangers legend Walter Smith, having worked under him for both club and country. And the 37-year-old has recalled a turning point in Cristiano Ronaldo's career at Old Trafford, when an unusual coaching approach from Smith helped propel the Portuguese superstar's game to the next level. In a clip shared on social media, Fletcher recalled how Ronaldo was often selfish on the ball when he first arrived in the Premier League. But an experiment devised by Smith, who served as Sir Alex Ferguson's assistant at United in 2004, soon provided Ronaldo with an insight which took his game to the next level. Fletcher said, Ronaldo frustrated the life out of everybody. Everybody thought, if he could learn, if he could learn. Eventually Walter Smith came in and decided not to give fouls in training. It was in general, but I think the sole purpose was for Ronaldo. So when Ronaldo was doing his skills, not passing, taking the ball, the lads were fouling him. Whereas before, in the first six months of the season, the foul was given as you'd expect, but Walter said, no foul. For two weeks, Ronaldo was tearing his hair out and he was going bananas. It was open season. What happens after a few weeks? Ronaldo starts passing the ball because he's sick of getting kicked. Now he starts playing one or two touch football and he's running. Now he starts getting goals. Now it starts clicking in his head. Oh, I'm starting to score more goals. I'm starting to make an impact in games. That was the beginning of Ronaldo's transition. Report by James Kearney Evening Times Sport, October 27 Neil Lennon on learning from Walter Smith Former Celtic manager Neil Lennon has paid tribute to class act Walter Smith after the Rangers legend sadly passed away at the age of 73 on Tuesday morning. Figures from within Scottish football and all over the world have been offering their condolences to Smith's family and loved ones in the wake of the news. Lennon took the reins at Parkhead in 2010 as he made his first steps into management and while the task of competing against someone of Smith's stature as the old firm battled for supremacy in the Premiership was a little daunting, 
He says it is one he relished. But the 50-year-old reckons he learned a lot from the Ibrook's great, as he admitted his admiration for Smith, as a manager, as a man, only grew over time. He told the Scottish son, My thoughts are with Walter's wife Ethel, his boys and the rest of his family. Walter was a great man, first and foremost. He was a class act with how he dealt with people and the respect he showed everyone. No one was ever in any doubt how big a Rangers man he was. What he did for the club, his incredible success, will rightly never be forgotten. But I always appreciated how well he spoke of Celtic. He had nothing but respect for the club and its history. Of course the rivalry was always there, as it should be, but Walter always spoke well, carried himself brilliantly, he was very dignified. I learned a lot from Walter. I knew I was going up against a Rangers legend when I became Celtic manager. I relished the challenge, but I was just starting out, while Walter had already done so much and earned the status as one of Scottish football's best ever managers. I respected his longevity as a top boss, his success, and more than anything else, his mental strength. Walter was a really intelligent football guy. He was always immaculate in his appearance. We had seven derbies in that 2010-11 season. It was a titanic year and we got pipped at the post in the league and also lost to Rangers in the League Cup. It was still a great learning experience for me and I picked up a lot that season going up against Walter. There were also a few moments in the heat of battle when he'd glance across the technical area and give me one of his famous glares as if to say, are you sure? After derbies, we would briefly meet up with our backroom staff, but you hardly got time to really talk, but I'd study Walter and how he went about the job. The longer I was Celtic manager, the more I understood how good he was under the intense scrutiny and pressure. It was only after he left Rangers that I'd meet him at functions and events and get to know him better. Just before the lockdown, I sat with him and Graham Souness for a couple of hours at a charity dinner. I really enjoyed that. Report by James Kearney. Evening Time Sport, October 27. Coglu is sure Ralston will be rewarded with new contract. Anthony Ralston is doing everything right to win a new Celtic contract, according to his manager Ange Postecoglou, and he is sure he will be rewarded with one if he keeps performing as he has done so far this season. It was something of a surprise to many that Ralston was handed a one-year contract extension in the summer, but the right back has grasped his opportunity with both hands to make the right back slot his own. So impressive has Ralston been that summer signing Josip Juranovic, the Croatian international right back, 
has been forced to play on the left at times in the early part of his Celtic career. If he can maintain those levels, Postecoglou says that his contract will take care of itself. The club and Michael Nicholson are handling those areas, Postecoglou said. The important thing for Tony is to keep doing what he's doing. I don't think he's thinking about contracts. He's thinking about taking the opportunity that's been given to him this year. Every week he works hard and wants to improve. He's having an impact in games. Like all footballers, when they do those things, the rest of it takes care of itself. Contract issues and all that kind of stuff. That happens pretty naturally when you are performing like he is. I'm sure he'll get rewarded. Other people might have a different opinion of him. But from the moment I walked in, all I've seen is a footballer who's really eager to learn. He really wanted an opportunity and really wanted to take it. As a manager, that's what you are looking for. You want guys who will give everything for that opportunity, who want to learn and be better, and who demonstrate that every day in training and not just in games. Tony is one of those guys. Sometimes in a football career, when there's uncertainty, or it looks like something could be taken away from you, getting an opportunity or a second bite at it makes you even more determined to get it right. He's done everything right so far. I think there's more to come. Report by Time Star. Evening Time Sport, October 27. Rangers coach Michael Beale on radar at English Championship Club. Report by James Kearney. Rangers first team coach Michael Beale is being considered as Mick McCarthy's replacement at Cardiff City after the 62-year-old was sacked by the Welsh outfit on Saturday. Beale, a highly regarded figure at Ibrox, was appointed as a member of Stephen Gerrard's backroom team, having previously worked with the former England internationalist in Liverpool's youth setup. The tactical specialist has been credited as a major influence in Rangers' improvement under Gerrard, and it seems that work has not gone unnoticed. The BBC report that Beale is on the radar of Cardiff City as they look for a new manager, as the Bluebirds languish towards the bottom of the English Championship. McCarthy departed the Cardiff City Stadium following Saturday's 2-0 defeat to Middlesbrough as his side's losing streak stretched to eight games. Under-23's manager, Steve Morrison, has been placed in charge in the interim. Former Celtic and Cardiff City midfielder Joel Ledley has also touted his old manager Neil Lennon for the vacancy in England's second tier. He told the Scottish Sun, the person who comes in has to realise there will be no money and it will be a difficult task to turn it around. A lot of players are leaving at the end of the season as they are out of contract. It's down to Cardiff to appoint the right person. I worked with Neil Lennon at Celtic. 
and he would definitely be interested. Report by James Kearney. Evening Times Sport, October 28. Three burning Rangers issues as the Scottish champions drop two Premiership points. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Rangers soft centre. The softness of the two goals that Aberdeen scored in the opening 16 minutes at Ibrooks will have alarmed and angered Rangers manager Stephen Gerrard in equal measure. Neither Christian Ramirez, who got on the end of a Ryan Hedges cutback and nodded beyond John McLaughlin, nor Scott Brown, who met a Dylan McGough corner with a diving header, had to work very hard to net for the visitors. The Scottish champions have kept just one clean sheet in their last six games and just three in the 11 cinch Premiership matches they have played in the 2021-22 campaign. It is a far cry from last term. They must do better at the back if they are to retain their title. Morelos Magic Alfredo Morelos had one of his off days when Hearts travelled to Govan for a top-of-the-table league match earlier this month. The Rangers striker passed up three scoring opportunities and his side dropped two points as a result. But he has responded well to that lacklustre display. He got on the end of a James Tavernay cross to nod in his 100th goal for the Glasgow Giants and secure a 2-1 win over St Mirren and Paisley on Sunday. He was on target again against the Dons. The Colombian rose well to meet a Tavernay free kick and headed beyond Joe Lewis in the 20th minute to get his team, who were 2-0 down at the time, back into the game. He is back to his best. He was a deserved winner of the Man of the Match award. Title Troubles Rangers may have been in first place in the Premiership for weeks now and might still be two points ahead of Celtic at the top of the table despite this disappointing result. But their form has not been entirely convincing and this was another concerning showing. With their city rivals winning five on the spin and edging ever closer to them, they are now under mounting pressure. Gerard will have been encouraged by the fight back and the mentality his charges showed against Aberdeen. But they can't afford any more slip-ups. Victory over Motherwell at Fir Park on Sunday is now a must. Report by Matthew Lindsay Evening Times Sport, October 28 Former Scotland prop Sandy Carmichael passes away aged 77 Report by David Barnes Former Scotland and British and Irish Lions prop Sandy Carmichael has died after a period of illness. He was 77. Playing out of the formidable West of Scotland club in the late 1960s and through the 1970s, Carmichael was capped 50 times between his debut against Ireland in February 1967 
and his final match against the same opposition in January 1978. It was a record number of appearances for the national side at the time. He also toured with the British and the Irish Lions to New Zealand in 1971 and South Africa in 1974, but his chances of making the test side on the first of those trips was cruelly robbed by a vicious assault at the bottom of a rock during a brutal match against Canterbury the week before the first match against the All Blacks. Carmichael suffered five fractures of the cheekbone. He played on until the final whistle, but was sent home the following day and insisted thereafter that he would take the name of the perpetrator to his grave. The episode remains one of the most notorious in international rugby history. Ian McLaughlin, a great friend and propping partner throughout their international careers, said years after that, Sandy is the bravest guy I know. He would do anything that needed done on the rugby field, except he wasn't interested in punching. He would scrummage hard. He would tackle hard. He would go down on the ball. He would get trampled over. But that side of it was totally alien to him. He was awarded an MBE in the 1977 Silver Jubilee and Birthday Honours. Carmichael's son Trevor, one of four children and a cohort of grandchildren, is currently head coach of GHA, who play in the Tenants Premiership, the top flight of amateur rugby in Scotland. Report by David Barnes. Evening Times Sport, October 28. Rangers told Celtic are coming by former player Neil McCann. Report by Ewan Payton. Rangers have been warned that Celtic are coming straight for them by one of their former players. Neil McCann has told the light blue stars that they need to up their game after more drop points at home to Aberdeen last night. The Dons were 2-0 up before goals from Alfredo Morelos and James Tavarney levelled the score. The draw means the Ibrox side remain top of the Premiership table. However, with Celtic winning their fourth league game in a row, Ange Postecoglou's men have closed the gap to just two points at the top of the tree as the hoops keep pressure on their city rivals. It was the third home league game in their last four that Rangers have dropped points after draws against Motherwell and Hearts, and McCann saw the stalemate as an opportunity missed. He told Rangers TV, You are looking at Scott Brown playing as part of a central three. He could have played with his slippers on tonight. Then you are looking for Morellis. He has a wee bit of fire and history with Brown to say, I'm going to give you the worst night for a long time. I'm going to run you into the ground. He's walking about. There is no movement. There is no urgency. He's going down with wee knocks on his back. Hold it in. Back in. Knock it wide. 
get your backside in the box. There is no urgency for me in a lot of players, and I am not going to sit here and hide it. That needs to be much better from Rangers. If Rangers are to keep going, powering forward, winning games, retaining the title, Celtic are coming hard at them. They're coming strong as well. They really need to up their game. Stevie and the coaching team need to get into this side and get them going. They are still sitting top of the league, but I would say that slump in form. Although they are still getting results, there is still a slump in form for me. They are not the Rangers of last year. They couldn't be. No way could they be. They need to find that again. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport October 28 Was Rangers' penalty against Aberdeen rightly awarded? Report by Times Sport The incident Referee John Beaton pointed to the spot in the last 10 minutes of the match at Ibrox last night. Aberdeen defender David Bates was adjudged to have fouled Rangers striker Fashion Sakala inside the box. James Tavarney stepped up to the mark, as he so often does, and slotted home to ensure the game finished 2-2. What was said? Stephen Gerrard insisted it did not matter what he thought of the decision. It was only the referee's call that mattered. He did hint, though, that he felt Bates was penalised for a subtle pull on Sakala's shirt. He said, Whether that's soft or not enough to be a penalty is not my decision. That's the referee's decision. He's given it and we've managed to get a point off the back of that. Don's boss Stephen Glass was unhappy with Beaton though. He claimed the referee's calls for both Rangers' goals cost his side all three points. He said, I am happy, but I think we could have walked away with more. There was obviously an incident with a penalty kick, which doesn't look like a penalty kick to me. Other than that, I thought we were brilliant defensively and carried a threat as well. I am happy to come away with a point. I would have taken it if you had given me that at the start of the day. The Rule Denying a goal or an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. Where a player commits an offence against an opponent within their own penalty area, which denies an opponent an obvious goal-scoring opportunity, and the referee awards a penalty kick, the offender is cautioned if the offence was an attempt to play the ball. In all other circumstances, for example, holding, pulling, pushing, no possibility to play the ball, etc. The offending player must be sent off. The following must be considered. Distance between the offence and the goal. General direction of the play. Likelihood of keeping or gaining control of the ball. Location and number of defenders. The verdict. Sakala was wide of Joe Lewis's six-yard box. As well as Bates, Scott Brown and Ross McCorry were back covering for Aberdeen, and so to say it was a clear goal-scoring opportunity would be a bit of a stretch. 
The striker also appears to throw his body into Bates left leg as he attempted to win a header with James Tavernier's ball slightly behind his direction of travel. This incident is one that VAR would spend minutes looking at down south. On this occasion, it looks like John Beaton made the wrong call. Evening Times Sport, October 29 Aberdeen Revival presenting strong case for born leader Scott Brown in defence. Report by Matthew Lindsay Ross McCrory has revealed the important role that true leader Scott Brown has played in helping Aberdeen to emerge from their alarming slump in form since moving back into defence. The centre-half and his teammates were unlucky not to beat Scottish champions Rangers in a singe premiership match at a packed Ibrox on Wednesday evening. The Pataudry club took a two-goal lead in the opening 16 minutes after first striker Christian Ramirez and then captain Brown netted headers. They were only denied a victory when David Bates conceded a controversial penalty with nine minutes remaining and James Tavernier converted the spot kick. McCrory was disappointed that Aberdeen, who beat Hibs at home on Saturday, failed to pick up all three points, but he admitted it was another encouraging performance and a positive result. Manager Stephen Glass came under pressure earlier this month after his team had gone 10 games without a win and had lost five matches in succession. The defender feels that former Celtic and Scotland midfielder Brown, who slotted in between him and Bates once again in midweek, has been instrumental to their revival. He said, I hope we have turned the corner now. We have changed the shape a bit and it seems to suit us. We have strung a couple of results together. It is up to us to keep the performances up and keep getting points on the table. Bruni is good in defence. He is also very good in the middle, in centre mid as well. He dropped in halfway through the last game. I just need to do all the running for him. So that's all right. No, Bruni has been magnificent since he came in. I can only say good things about him. He scored a diving header against Rangers. Afterwards I said to him, where did you pull that from? Brilliant. As I say, he has been magnificent since he came in. He is a true leader and all of the boys look up to him. We haven't really thought about the outside noise. We just focus on ourselves. We are in our own wee bubble at the training ground. All the boys stick together and the management stick together. We stick together all the time, including through the difficult times. Maybe results were not going our way, but the tide is starting to turn a wee bit. Hopefully, we can keep accumulating as many points as possible. I think if you look at our performances, 
You could tell we were playing well. It is just a couple of wee small details. If we can tidy up the small details and string a few results together, then hopefully we can accumulate as many points as we can. McCrory started his career at Rangers and was upset to learn that the Ibrox club's legendary former manager, Walter Smith, had passed away at the age of 73 earlier this week. Light Blues supporters paid tribute to Smith before and during their league match on Wednesday night amid emotional scenes, but the former Scotland under-21 international stressed that he had just focused on playing well for Aberdeen. He said, Walter Smith was a great man. I didn't really know him personally. I just said hello to him a couple of times. But it is terrible what has happened. Our thoughts are with his family and friends. Wednesday night was obviously a big occasion, but we had a job to do and we came away with a point. It wasn't awkward. We took a point up the road and we are happy with that. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, October 29. Police probe launched after missiles thrown at Aberdeen players. Report by David Irvin. Police are probing a small number of missiles thrown from the stands during Rangers draw with Aberdeen. Cops are investigating after reports that items had been lobbed towards the pitch during the 2-2 draw at Ibrox. Footage posted by Aberdeen of Scott Brown and his teammates celebrating the second goal appears to show a drink flying towards the players. It appears the drink is thrown from the stands occupied by Rangers supporters and empties in the air as it is hurled towards the group of players. In the video, Aberdeen youngster Dean Campbell appears to attempt to catch the drink before it falls to the ground. Now cops are investigating the incident with a probe into reports of a number of missiles thrown towards the pitch. A Police Scotland spokesperson confirmed inquiries are continuing following a report that a small number of missiles had been thrown towards the pitch at the match. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, October 29. Gerard has identified Rangers issues and must now prove he can fix them. Report by Chris Jack. Last season, it was all about 55 for Rangers. So far, the number carries very different meaning for Stephen Gerrard this time around. That is Rangers' win percentage after 20 fixtures at home and abroad, and the issues are now stacking up for the Ibrooks boss following the disheartening draw with Aberdeen. Such a figure is alarming for Rangers. So too is the fact that they have fallen behind in eight matches, five domestically and three in Europe, as ten goals have been conceded in the Premiership.
The two that were shipped on Wednesday night were amongst the most lamentable yet avoidable, as Christian Ramirez and Scott Brown capitalised on diabolical decision-making inside the opening quarter of an hour. The comeback that was started by Alfredo Morelos was continued when James Tavernier scored from the spot. It was never completed though, as two points were squandered. Rangers have come from behind to beat St Johnston, Hibbs and St Mirren in recent weeks, but pulling off such feats is not a sustainable approach. Teams that win titles don't make life unnecessarily difficult for themselves so often. It is a trait that Gerard must address with a matter of urgency. He knows it, but time will tell if he is able to rectify a flaw that is undermining Rangers' title defence. I think you have heard this record on a couple of occasions, Gerard said as he came to terms with a costly night that saw Celtic move to within touching distance of the champions at the top of the table. This is the third game we have drawn. There are a few things that need fixing, that's for sure. It was always going to be a tough game. Aberdeen were on the back of a good result at the weekend, and obviously, with the rivalry, it is always a difficult match. But when you go and gift them the first goal, and then lose a duel in the box from a set play and go 2 nothing down, the challenge becomes more tough. We have to try things and force things and throw things at it to get back into the game, when really that's not us. Normally we play with control and in a certain way where the organisation is there and we play a stylish game on the back of that. There was a lot of that we didn't recognise as a staff and we need to fix a few things moving forward. I think you are alluding to what conceding the first goal I am talking about fixing. We will always be honest here. It is not about criticising anyone or digging anyone out. It is about me as a manager and a staff looking at a few things and trying to fix a few things that we need to get better at moving forward. Because this is a tough level of football, and if you go gifting teams goals, which is unlike us, but it is happening too many times this season. Rangers were unsurprisingly unable to recover from falling behind to Malmo, Lyon and Sparta Prague in continental competition, while Dundee United inflicted their only domestic defeat to date with a narrow win at Tannadice in August. The champions have been notoriously slow out of the blocks this term, and there is a spark missing from their attacking play as they have become predictable and toothless at times. When that is combined with a defensive unit that concedes goals and chances too regularly. The outcome, more often than not, is going to be a costly one. Gerard said, We actually tried to start on the front foot 
I thought we were positive in the opening exchanges, but then, from a dead ball, we decide to overplay in the wrong area and we don't do it right. We gift Aberdeen the opening goal, then minutes after, you end up 2 nothing down from a set play. You have got to defend your box better when it comes to set plays. From that moment, I don't think we did much wrong in the game. Okay, we had to force it at times, and we had to change the shape and do things and throw more attacking players at it. But that was because we didn't start the game well enough in terms of making it too easy for Aberdeen to score against us. The challenge became a lot more complicated after 10 or 12 minutes. I don't think confidence is an issue. I don't think so. I think it is about us getting on the training pitch and working to try and fix the issues that we have got. I don't think there is any denying that how we have started the season, drawing three games at home from a league point of view, certain things need addressing and looking at, and that is what we need to do. But that is something that excites me more than concerns me, because I believe we have fixed them, I believe we can improve and become a lot harder to play against. It is unrealistic for supporters to expect Rangers to continually hit the heights that they reached last term as they clinched the league flag with an unbeaten Premiership campaign. The levels that Gerrard's side have dropped are a pressing concern, however, and the run between now and January could well define his fourth term in charge at Ibrooks. The problems are for Gerard to assess. Ultimately, they are for his players to resolve as attentions turn to Sunday's showdown with Motherwell. Gerard said, I was very frustrated with certain things that happened on the pitch. The two goals that we have conceded are poor from our point of view, so there might have been a tad frustration there. But being animated is not a negative for me. It's someone who cares, who is passionate, who wants to do the right thing by this football club and the supporters. If it was too animated for you guys, I can only apologise. All the issues we need to fix, I'm not sure concern is the right word. I know what we need to fix and what needs to be better. I thought we looked very dangerous from set plays, but we weren't dangerous at all from open play. We didn't test Joe Lewis enough. It did look as though we could cause major problems from set pieces, but that's not enough. We need to be better in open play, in getting shots off. Players on the pitch need to be more creative. But we have scored two goals. I think other areas need worked on first. Report by Chris Jack Evening Times Sport, October 29 Newcastle job could hamper Gerrard's Liverpool chances. Report by Ewan Payton 
Stephen Gerrard leaving Rangers for Newcastle could sabotage his Liverpool ambitions. That's according to former Celtic manager John Barnes. The light blues boss has been constantly linked with the vacant post since the Saudi state completed their takeover of the club, spelling the end to Mike Ashley's 14-year reign. Steve Bruce has since departed the Geordie club, with Graeme Jones taking interim charge. And while a move to the mega-rich Premier League side would seem appealing to many managers, Barnes reckons Gerrard may want to steer clear because of his future ambitions to return to his boyhood club. He told Bonus Codes Bets, Ultimately, Stephen Gerrard might want to go to Liverpool, but I don't think he'll do that if he moves to Newcastle. Is that going to be the best move if he harbours ambitions to manage Liverpool? Or does he want to go to a club that will give him the possibility to fulfil his ambitions and be a top manager and to win the league? The expectations have to be tempered for any manager going there now. If Newcastle finish 15th, and they probably will be around 15th this season, then what does that mean? It has to be a long-term plan. They might want a more proven manager in terms of European experience. Newcastle fans have to be realistic with this season, and the priority is to stay up, whether it's Steven Gerrard, Paulo Fonseca, or Antonio Conte. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, October 29. Rangers star ruled out of a Motherwell clash. Report by Chris Jack. Borna Barisic is set to be sidelined for Rangers' trip to face Motherwell on Sunday after missing the draw with Aberdeen through injury. The Croatian was absent from the side that fought back to earn a 2-2 draw on Wednesday night, as the champions dropped crucial points at the top of the Premiership, and saw Celtic eat into their advantage in the title race. Barisic, who started the win at St Mirren last weekend, was replaced by Calvin Bassi at left-back, and the Nigerian internationalist is now set to retain his starting spot as Steven Gerrard takes his side to Fir Park. Rangers face Brunby in a crucial Europa League clash next Thursday, and that could be the next time that supporters see Barisic in action for the champions. Gerrard said, Borna has a small issue at the moment, and I think he will be out for the weekend. Hopefully, we will have him around for the Bronby game. Report by Chris Jack. And that was this week's Glasgow Times Sport podcast, normally recorded in our studio at the Bishop Briggs Media Centre, currently recorded from our volunteers' homes with the publisher's kind permission. Thanks for listening. <laughs>